Awesome. Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Author News Weekly. Thank you for joining us. It's great to have my friends Nick and Jim here on the call and talking about the news, overthinking the news so you don't have to, so you can use your brain pan to get back to writing. I'm Roland Denzel. You can find me at indestructibleauthor.com, and I'm 27 years in the printing and publishing industry, health, fitness, and author, and I help other authors get their books out into the world. Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hey, my name is Jim Heskett. I am an author of somewhere between 20 to 40 books. I'm not exactly sure. Mostly mysteries and thrillers. I am also a professional copywriter. And what about you, Nick? My name's Nick, and I write books, lots of thrillers. Awesome. Awesome. And let's see. We're going around and introducing ourselves. So the three of us just went, you are up. Hey, can you guys hear me okay? Sorry, I just popped in late. Oh, no problem. Yeah, that, my name is Dave Behrens. I just had a free moment and thought I would jump in here and see what the news was these days. Welcome, <laughs> Say <Dave>. words. <laughs> Thank well, you. Good to have you. Good to have you. Yeah. Dave, do you have the link to, to the news we're talking about today? I do. Thanks. Great. Yeah. Awesome. We jump right in and... One of them is something that's it's been huge in the author space and the publishing space for quite a while here. We've always had there's always there's been a big hullabaloo is that the right word about Amazon's ebook return policy hullabaloo yeah where it had, even though their policy has often said that you can't just ret- you cannot abuse the return policy the return policy has been so liberal that readers were basically using the Amazon Kindle store as a library. So they would buy a book, read it, return it, buy the next book, read it, return it, and there was nothing to stop them. Yeah, so the Authors Guild made a big announcement. What do you guys think about that? It seems like a pretty a pretty good change. Amazon is all is historiously is, is looking dagger about it. So I'm reading the Authors Guild, who I guess has been fighting on our behalf, fighting Amazon, which I'm sure was fun. Their report says, quote, customers, quote, may not be eligible for a return, a refund, if a book has been partially read or if we detect account abuse, close quote. So I love when Amazon does this because this is typical like big corporate speak. They're like, all right, they may not be eligible for a refund if it's been partially read. And everyone's like, oh, that's good. That's exactly what we wanted. Or if we detect account abuse. So it's they're giving themselves an out, basically saying, nah, we didn't detect any account abuse. So this, this person can return the book. It doesn't matter if it's been partially read. Me, I'm always outspoken about my love for Amazon, but I think this is all just a bunch of bullshit. It smells a little bit better than bullshit. I don't think it's going to change anything, if I'm honest. I've heard a lot of authors complaining about this, and I, it must be in certain genres, because I had some returns, but it never like really financially affected me. It wasn't a significant portion. So maybe I just don't write in those genres with a lot of these unscrupulous readers, but there's something in the good e-reader article that really stuck out to me. I'm going to quote this here. It says, why does Amazon want to curb their ebook return policy? Firstly, it was due to pressure from various author organizations since authors lose their commission if someone returns an ebook. Secondly, social media such as TikTok was encouraging viewers to treat Amazon like a public library and would walk through customers on how to buy a book 
and submit a refund request when they were done. I would posit that the first thing, pressure from the various author organizations, had almost nothing to do with it. And that the second thing was the main reason because Amazon was looking bad in the public. It was apparently very popular on TikTok, this burn and return idea. And Amazon just didn't want the bad PR because we've seen before authors lean on Amazon to do things and they say, yeah, okay, fine. We're not going to do that. And so the fact that they would turn this around and when customer sat is the most important thing to Amazon in the world, it struck me as fishy. And I think the bad PR of looking Amazon looking bad way outweighs the possibility of upsetting authors. Yeah, I would add that I didn't have any returns that made a significant impact either. And because this is coming via that sort of TikTok and social media, it probably does affect certain genres more. And it's probably the genres that have huge whale readers, four, five, six, seven books a day, and they're just blazing through them and then returning them. So I didn't see any impact from it. I think it's a great idea to at least put it out there. It's like a guideline that maybe just curbs it a little bit. And if it curbs it a little bit, then it's probably a success. Yeah, I didn't have any, I've had returns in the past but not significant. And like, I don't, didn't ever detect any, read the first book, return it, read the second book, like any of that kind of stuff. So it was mostly just somebody got a book and they didn't like it. Maybe they didn't agree with my position on my nonfiction. Like maybe they thought I was full of it and returned it. That's fine by me. Yeah, I don't, I do think this will change it because it seems like what happens now with the, if you read deep into some of these things is that you're al allowed, if it's past 10%, you have to go through a manual review. You have to request a manual review and then you have to do a chat with customer support to get it. And I think that's gonna be big enough to where people just won't wanna deal with that. Like no, every, some people will, but how diligent will you have to be to get a free book that you're gonna spend like 10, 15 minutes waiting for chat support to return your book so you can read the next one. And I think the records are gonna show once you start doing that, that you're doing this more and more and then pretty soon somebody's gonna say no. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it will, but I, but Jim, I think you're right. I think it was like they were embarrassed by somebody mm -hmm. in Amazon who's on TikTok said, look what these TikTok people are saying we're, you're doing when it's been months and we're still letting them do this. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, you know, I don't have a like, fundamental problem with people being able to return books either. I think it's weird to say it's 10% because if I buy a print book and I don't like it, I can take it back. There's nothing that you, know, you can take books back to the bookstore and they'll, they'll just take them back. It's like, it's not a big deal. You can return a print book to Amazon and they'll take it back. So it's like not, it's not the huge deal. People are acting like, oh, you can't just buy a book and return it. Sure you can. So if you don't right. like it, the problem is when it's a serial thing. And if you serially return physical products, Amazon will stop, will definitely curtail your purchasing power or stop you or warn you about it. We've seen that in the past. Boom. You're just exactly. like that. That's what they'll say. They'll boom. Say, yes. Amazon website instead of dog. Boom. Yeah. We are now a one way street. You buy, no return. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes Amazon will, uh, will uh, so not even ask one? for the return. They'll just give you money. They'll That's just give true. you your money. And they, ah, you bought cutting boards when we moved to Hawaii. They were like $3. It was like these little set up like plastic cutting boards. And I was like, I don't actually want these. We found like 800 boards in this dirt kitchen we were staying at. And they were like, all right, we'll just keep them. Here's the $3 back. And I was like, arbitrage. I found a new business model. New hustle. Let's go buy a bunch of cheap shit on Amazon and see what we can keep. Yeah, there have been a couple of times when they've sent me something that was uh, either broken or they sent me the wrong thing or something. One time I just didn't like it. And I think they do some sort of like 
cost benefits analysis. Like, will I be able to resell this thing? Or is it is it even worth the cost of shipping or the time to for the guy at Whole Foods to put it in the little envelope and ship it? And so sometimes it's just, okay, you've been refunded. And I'm like, where's the thing to say what to do? They're like, there's nothing. Like, nothing to ruin, no way to send it back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Nick, I thought you might like this next one as a, first of all, because it me- mentions Mike Shatskin, right? Who I know oh. you read his stuff. And like also Shatskin. you are, yeah. So also you are not only an indie author, but you also are, have a publishing company. So Mike Shatskin asks the question, do authors need publishers? And what do you think about this? Who, me specifically? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, start with you. I love Shatskin, I think he's I think he's brilliant. He's done a lot of really good stuff in publishing. He's one of the good guys, right? I can't disagree with him. And I all I can comment on is just is the title, Do Authors Need Publishers? I too, Thacker also concludes not going with what the title the way the title phrases it. I do have a publishing company. Here's the deal. I believe publishing is a service provided to authors. And over over the entire course of human history, when publishers have been successful, it's been the exact opposite. Authors are a service to publishers to make money. And that's not the way it should be. It'd be the opposite way around. Authors don't need publishers anymore. And so publishers are finally realizing that, hey, we have to actually be a service for authors in order for any of us to make money. And if we're not, then none of us make money. Authors are realizing that. And most of the publishing contracts we're seeing as indie authors who get mid-list contracts or whatever with a traditional publisher, authors are seeing, hey, wait a minute, this actually doesn't make me any money. Why wouldn't I just self-publish and make as much as little money doing the, that, but owning it all? And so it's this brave new world of publishers realize what business they're actually in is printing dead trees, printing ink on dead trees and trying to sell that. The fear of publishing is going to be what we do, indie publishing. And we're going to call this stuff old school pub. But the good switch will be when authors and publishers realize that the money flows to the author and therefore the author is a service to the publisher to make money. If there's no authors, then there's no publishers. And right now, there's plenty of publishers being propped up by God knows how much random bullshit that has nothing to do with books. And the money is flowing to the publishers and not to the authors. I've said a lot of different little things there. I agree. You don't need publishers these days. So if you're a publisher, if you're like me and you own a publishing company and you're trying to get authors to sign up with you, you better offer a service to that author that is very clear what the author will gain hint royalties usually what that is and i'm not saying service we're going to design your cover and you pay us for that or we're going to edit your can you pay us five thousand dollars i'm not talking about vanity or whatever that's a whole different thing i just mean specifically we're finally realizing the veil has been like pulled back we're finally realizing what publishing is supposed to be and it's backwards and it's slowly changing yeah got you dave i agree obviously those of us here have gone the route or the route of of self-publishing or independent publishing. And I think it gets a bad rap because in the beginning, we didn't treat our business like publishers. We treated it like people who couldn't get a publishing deal with a traditional publisher and we would throw the book up and people would realize, oh, this is not quite the level of a traditionally published novel. That's really changed. The idea of being an independent author or an independent publisher means now that I am the publisher and now I take that roll on of editor and maybe even cover designer and get readers to be advanced readers. And I go through all of the steps that a publisher might go through to ensure that when I do put it up, that my quote, independently published novel appears to be and is hopefully the same quality as 
a traditionally published novel. There have been people who have been insanely successful at independent publishing and show that the model works if you do the work to put a book or a product out that is as good or maybe even better in some circumstances as a traditionally published novel. Yeah. I think there's this there's this myth that the cream rises to the top. That's a very cute saying, but I think what we found out in the publishing industry and in the indie publishing industry is that the best marketed cream rises to the top. The cream with the best brand management is the one that gets to rise to the top. And I think uh, indies have figured this out in the last five or six years and we're working it. And I think traditional publishing really hates it because in this new model, there's no palms degree. There's, it's not like the olden days when record producers were trying to get their song played, but they'd go slip the DJ a little baggie of cocaine and make sure that the record got spun. There's Amazon doesn't want your little baggie of cocaine. So there's very little that could do so it's almost an, a level playing field between the trad pub and the indian indie pub now we have relatively the same amount of power and things are rapidly changing because of that yeah and it seems like we to some degree a lot of indies have an advantage or because we have the same advantage we have the same level like you said jim but indies have been like seen the advantage that they can do we can use pricing differently, we can launch differently, we can use advertising differently versus a lot of trad publishing still relying on Times Square banners and full page ads in the newspaper to, as a way to sell books. And those things probably aren't working very much. And uh, yeah, so there's a pretty big advantage, there's a pretty big advantage, advantage indie there, right? So I think what Nick, one of the things that I like about Nick and having seen inside what Nick is doing is like, he is very honest. He gives good, gives fair, fair treatment to the authors and tells them exactly what to expect and what their, what the, what their, what the opportunity is. And I think they really trust him for that. And it's a good deal. So could an author make more as a pure indie author? Probably, but they have to do a lot of work too. So there's a good, there's a good thing. So I think when the big five or even like other indie publishing houses, it's just not really clear. So if you just want your book published, a traditional publisher will, will do that. But if you're trying to make it big as an author, it's getting increasingly harder to do. Yeah, there's a good reason Conundrum Publishing is not making any money, and that's because we're not ripping any authors off. So you want to go start a publisher? Then be prepared to not make any money. Now, I'm oversimplifying some of it. We're not making any money. Like, we we have a bunch of books, and uh, those books do what they're going to do, and all the money, but a lot of the money goes back to the authors, but that doesn't cover what, we, what it costs to produce those books. The authors could do all that themselves, and probably more, honestly, to do it themselves, but they wouldn't, unless a book takes off. That's the thing, it's a numbers game, right? All these huge publishers have existed on a payola system, effectively, of getting certain books into bookstores and having this good old boys club about what gets sold. So I don't know, I've said enough about it, but it's fun, it's a fun life. Yeah, so some of the things that they don't really go into the details, of, well, we've talked about the details about what an indie author has to do if, they, if they're not going to go with a publisher, you have to learn, you don't have to learn how to make a book cover, but you know how to, you have to learn how to find somebody who will make a book cover that is right for your book, for your genre, right? You have to either learn how to do book descriptions or find, learn how to find somebody who can do the right kind of book descriptions for you and measure, you have to take measurements. You have to say, how is this doing versus... Roland, I, I think I lost I'm you. not hearing you, Roland. We may have lost Roland altogether. Mm, yep, he done froze. Another part of this, guys, though, and you both know this, is that the, the whole publishing 
model has changed so much. When you were, when I was young, it was go to the bookstore and get a book, a physical product. Like you said, Nick, they're printing on dead trees and that's how you got a book. And then of course, Amazon and others have come forth with e-readers or Kindles. And that's, that has allowed us to be insanely agile within 24 hours. You can load a book and it is up. And once it's published and it's live, you see a typo or an error or something you need to change, you change it, you upload it. And again, maybe 24, 72 hours later, it's up. And I know that from my experience, I don't sell a lot of print books. They're available, but in, in my model, it's how can I best deliver that ebook or that, that digital product. And that I think publishers are not quite, not quite there yet. They're still thinking about the bookstore and the, the days when you had to print a million copies of the book and hope that it sold. Whereas now when a customer really wants a print copy of my book, they order it and it's printed on demand. It's, it's printed as they order it. So that model has changed everything too, as far as traditional publishers go. And they're not, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think they're there yet. They still want to tell us that eBooks don't sell, even though you, we all know to the contrary that they do, they sell quite a lot. Rolls froze again. He's got that California internet. California internet. It's, Roland, can you hear us? Yeah, we cannot we can't hear, hear you. you. Are you? This has been fun. I'm good to you guys. <laughs> see how All agile right. we are. We can fix things on the floor. <laughs> Let's see Simon Let's and just, Schuster do that. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. How about that? Sounds good. What is that? <laughs> so, how, oh, this is a good one. How much does Amazon? How much help does Amazon give you selling books? So, this is a post on Kindlepreneur. Our good friend Dave Chasson. Oh, just got a pop-up from his website. That was fun. So he, his article is talking about idea validation, basically like doing the research before you write a book. And so this gets into the right to market stuff. This gets into the, uh, what I want to talk about. I don't know if this is where Roland was going to go with it, but the algorithm, how much of this does, how much of the algorithm, basically Amazon's algorithm or whatever you want to call it, helps in selling books. Roland? I'm just kidding. I can do that to him. What do you, so I've heard different things. I've heard people say that there is no algorithm, which I think is farcical, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? There, there for sure is an algorithm. I don't know how it works. I don't know if anybody really knows how it works, but it, it does things for us. Just basically like saying, if someone has read my book, it will say to, to the potential reader, they've also, people who have read my book have also read this author or that book or this group of authors. So at least it has that built into it. As far as pushing my books, there are a lot of things on the back end that Amazon gives us that are supposed to help us keywords and keyword research and categories and things like that. I, to me, I have found those tools to be largely ineffective. I don't know that they actually move the needle at all. And it may just be because now it seems like there are so many people who are independently published and I will, I'll go ahead and plug Dave's tool, the publisher rocket is insanely helpful, but for looking at these things as in, uh, is my topic or is my genre something that sells? Is it highly competitive? Is there enough interest? Do people search it enough? So there's a ton of tools in there that can help you if you know how to use them. Having said that, that's always been a thing. Was it Chris Fox who came along with right to market and said, look, if there are not people who want to read that book, it doesn't matter what you do that it won't sell. It won't matter what Amazon does, which it's debatable whether there's something crazy going on behind the scenes with the algorithm or not. But I think those things are pretty important and especially just making a book that is readable. 
if you've got a topic that crosses space sci-fi thriller with romance, of course, that probably does sell with something off of that topic, you're going to have a hard time marketing to certain readers or even finding readers. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the algorithm does for me or not for me, but it doesn't seem like it's, it's worth my time to go in and try to figure out that algorithm. Yeah. Let me piggyback off that because I was going to say, just like you, Dave, this made me think about Chris Fox. This article is basically recapping right to market. And I was thinking about it and I think Chris Fox is probably the all time MVP of our entire industry because that book right to market changed everything for everybody. Because before that, there was so much guessing, so much guessing. I need 50 reviews. I have to nail my seven keywords. And now we don't, I don't, I've never been convinced that those seven keywords do anything. And Amazon's not going to tell us. And 50 reviews, who knows? Maybe it's 100, maybe it's 150. The algorithm is purposefully mysterious because they don't want people to figure it out because they don't want people to gain. But Chris Fox came along with Right to Market and gave everybody concrete examples of here's what you do. Go look at a subcon, go look at a subgenre. Are they selling, but not too high? He said exactly how to do it. And up until then, it was 100% guesswork. And so there are thousands of indie authors who owe their careers to Chris Fox, I think. Can you hear me now? Yes. Welcome back. Great. Yeah, I agree with this. The whole thing. The algorithm is perf- purposely mysterious and because they don't want you to game it. But I think so a lot. I think it's like the, the sum of all of these things. I think part of the algorithm is it could be it's probably not 50 reviews, but it's probably like the more reviews people get over a specific over a period of time. So it may show and like the purchases that are regular purchases of the book. And I think it's also when people land on the page and either buy or don't buy. I think that kind of thing goes into it. There's a lot of there's a lot of speculation, but even if you dig deeper into some of the stuff that Jave Chesson has written in the past, there's some evidence that Amazon, if they share a book, but people then don't buy or don't finish the book, that they don't share it to as many other people versus if they share the book to a lot of people, a lot of people, a high percentage of them buy it, high percentage of them read it and read it to completion and then possibly read reviews. So all of these things probably add up. So the best way to quote unquote game the system is to have a good cover, good book description, make sure your book is accurate to all those things, have a great book and do good calls to action. So you get reviews, like all the things that we talk about people doing anyway, but it just like highlights that you really got to do all those. You really do have to do all those things if you want your book to be marketed by Amazon. Yeah. But Nick, I was curious. So you do a lot of ads, right? And so how do you feel like if you're doing all the right things in your book, you can like drop down on the ads or do you feel like you just got to double down? That's the time to double down. Both. I mean, you're, it's, it depends on the strategy. I'm actually not doing a lot of ads right now. I'm testing something else called writing a whole shit ton of books and trying to release them pretty close to each other, which seems to be working pretty well. And the best part is I don't have the expense of ads. Now, I do also believe I've got some empirical data to suggest this is true, that if I was doing this and running ads, I would be doing better without getting into numbers. Yeah, I think it's pay to play, but that's not the only way to succeed on Amazon unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how fast you write, what Amazon's algorithm really appreciates more, what it seems to be appreciating more over time is recency. So releasing books 
often is going to be a great way to keep you top of the charts and paying them through the use of ads, right? So those are the two big ones. If you do both at the same time, you're going to do better than if you do one of those. And if you don't do any of those, you're not going to do as well as someone who does one or two of those, right? So it's what game do you want to play? Do you think you can write fast enough to release a book every month or every other month? Then, you know, Amazon's probably going to treat you a little bit better. That's the way that we're going to be working. The way to think about all this is like an SEO back in 2005 era where we were all trying to like stuff keywords into our blog posts so that Google would love us. The one, the people that succeeded most at that were either the ones who gamed it so much that Google couldn't ignore it or people who refused to game it and treated it like, like the algorithm, like it was a human being going through and actually reading their stuff. So you have a bunch of crap on one side and then a bunch of, or a much smaller subset of people who were actually doing a lot of hard work. And then everybody else in between wasn't really earning out. They were just writing blog posts and they would do a little bit of SEO, but it wasn't enough. So I think Amazon's the same way. The more we treat it like a human being giving people recommendations, the more it starts to make sense, right? If you a human mm -hmm. sitting up there, we call it Mr. Algorithm, and he's literally sitting in an office in, a, in an ivory tower, probably looking at all these books coming through, who is he going to recommend? He's going to recommend the stuff that he sees most often because he can't recommend it if he can't see it, right? So if you can use ads to prop up your book to get in front of Mr. Algorithm's face, but if you're an author who consistently releases books faster than everyone else, it's not a competition, but it is. You're the one releasing the books most often. Mr. Algorithm's going to see that book more, more, more likely than he's going to see someone else who hasn't released a book in two years. Yeah. yeah. And then Mr. Algorithm also is going to have his own preferences, right? So he's going to mention A.G. Riddle's book or whoever the, the golden boy of Amazon is at the time. Yeah. Just because that's who Mr. Rogers. So there's a few and people look at the few and say, I need to do what A.G. Riddles do. No, you don't. You need to do either of the things. You need to release more books or you need to pay for them to be in front of people. And yeah. that's it. Now, all yeah, of this assumes that you can write a book that's right. Like <laughs> all of this assumes it's not crap. But if you're writing crap, you can still succeed if you're just going to bombard the system with your crap. Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. I think there's a variety, like you're saying, there's, there's so many different ways to do this, but the what you, one of the things that you just said is in order for somebody to recommend your book, that it has to be out there. But in order for somebody to even buy your book, it has to be seen. You, like you can't buy something you don't know that exists or you can't buy something like so you can put out more books. So, so there's more opportunity for people to see you. Then they're going to you know not just see your book, but they're going to be make a connection to you. So then they're going to look for more of your books. So the more ways you can get your book in front of people, either by releasing more better books with better covers, titles, descriptions, do that and also use advertising to put those books in front of people too. The Here, here's the, the problem I have with that, Roland, is you're talking about something that's such a marginally, like a slight edge. But what am I trying to say? Um, yes, we need good covers. Yes, we need good books. Yes, we need to be good. Readers. That's pretty much the nature of what Amazon is now, is yeah. millions of books that have good enough covers that have descriptions that have been keyword stuffed perfectly. The seven keywords that Jim thinks does, don't matter. We're all doing that. And so there's no marginal gain now, almost no marginal gain, no discernible gain of having a better book cover than someone else's. Besides the subjectivity of it, I'll just say the vast majority of people releasing books on Amazon are going to have a good enough cover. I've always said that covers only will potentially lose a sale. So everyone's got a good right. enough cover, 
no one is going to buy the book because the cover is so freaking amazing. Sorry, Dave. It's not the way it works. But what they're going to do is <laughs> click on it because it's good enough. They're going to say, all right, the cover works. This fits what my expectation would be for this genre that I'm browsing through or whatever. I'll go read the description. Then I'll go ahead and read some reviews and I'll go ahead and buy it. If the cover sucks or the reviews suck or the description sucks, the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to pretend to lose a sale. So all of these things have to be in place just to play the game. But there's no way you can make your cover so good that you're going to be better than all of the other people on Amazon. So that can't be the factor in yeah, what see. makes the book sell. That's all I'm saying is like, you're not wrong. Yeah, we have to have good covers, of course. Unfortunately, it's not 2011 anymore where a good cover was the rare. The out now the shitty covers are the outlier. There's two or three of them that you know are on every Amazon top 100 page where you're like. I you wanted know. to highlight that mostly because a lot of times with with newer authors, they come in and think I can't afford afford a good cover, so then they're going with a lesser cover, and that kind of automatically takes you out of the running for selling your book. So I'm not saying you have to have an expensive cover, but you that's the bare minimum now, right? In order to do to do well, there's a minimum viable product and that yeah. minimal viable product with a book now includes a professional level cover, whether it's a pre-made cover or a cover made by a designer like, like Dave here, like Dave does. I don't know if Dave, if you do pre-made covers too, but there are, he's nodding his head. So you can get a good cover. It may not be ideal, but then you can upgrade later, but it's a, it's that minimum viable cover, right? That's going to be, that's going to be a big part of it. And if you don't meet that, no one's going to, no one's going to stop. No one's going to stop the scroll. They're just going to keep scrolling to the next one that does have a decent cover. Yeah. 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 It's more competitive than ever. So you have to, you have to do those things and you do have to do those keywords and you do have to have a description and you do have to do those things. They don't make, they're no longer give you the big advantage, but not doing them gives you a disadvantage. How's that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Cool. All right. I think that's a great time to end. And I am, thank you all for listening this week. A little bit of passion this week, but I think it's good to hear. Good, good to let out a little bit of venting. And hey, we're going to be back next week for more Author News Weekly. Why don't we real quickly let people know where they can find you? Yeah, I can be found at baronsbooks.com for my own writing. And I can also be found at cover2book.com for cover design work. That's cover number two to book.com. Cover2book.com. Awesome. And Nick? I am on the internet. Just Google my name. I should show up on all the things that you're looking for me on. That's true. I've tested this and I was Nick able to find you. Yeah. Every time I want to call Nick, I just I Google him first. And then, yeah, it helps. And I'm Roland Denzel. And you can find me at indestructibleauthor.com. And thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next week with, with more new author and publishing news. Have a great week, everybody. Happy writing. <laughs> <laughs>